This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Another game, another win in this marvellous year. And this marvellous team may have an even more than marvellous signature goal to add to the books. Welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. I'm going to make a statement and I want everyone to listen um, because I'm very balanced normally, but I'm going to go talk sport here. I'm going to go all in. Now, Craig, a lot of people are going to get upset by my statement and immediately just disagree with it without thinking about it. But I need you to think about this for five minutes. Yesterday, Wes Burns scored the greatest goal Ipswich Town have ever scored. Process that in your head. Think about the fact that football moves on and things that were done in the past weren't necessarily done now. Remove the context and just look at the goal, which would still be goal of the season if it was a ball booted down the line and he smashed it in the top corner. Tell me when I'm lying. Tell me a better goal Ipswich Town have ever scored than the one they scored yesterday, Craig. You want me to do that now? Yeah, okay. I do, Um, yeah. I made my statement. My statement's finished. I'm I'm kind of with you on that. Um, as Ben has said in the chat, fact, it was uh, yeah. <laughs> debate ended. End of conversation. End of debate. <laughs> Welcome um, and good night for the Blue Monday. Um, yeah, it's just brilliant. We'll talk about it in a bit detail later. But it's been everywhere. Everyone's seen it. It's been retweeted around the world. Um, as you say, had it just been a, a punt down the right channel and he'd cut inside and killed him on the outside of his foot from the edge of the box, it'd have been uh, equally good. But the build up as well. Um, Joe, um, can you, I mean, in my head, I go to Marcus Stewart's second goal against Bolton. I go to Arnold Muren's goal. Um, or was it, was it Tyson or Muren who scored a dribbly one against Norwich and then curled it in the top corner? Um, I, I don't, uh, I mean, Bert Santolina's won a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Someone, um, mentioned that one, but Joe, can you name me a better one? Well, yeah, it's difficult to find <laughs> Difficult to find a better one, isn't it? It was just that good. It was everything about the goal from where it started, just us doing what we do and playing it out and a couple of long pings. I think the only thing that annoys me about the goal is that it counts as an assist for Leif Davis to push him up the ranks. I tweeted that yesterday. (laughs) Just a a little ball across to Burns, isn't it? But no, it was fantastic. And like I say, I just stood there and when we scored, it was just like my arms up like, and I just turned around and the guy in front of me turned around and we just both said, what a goal. It was just like exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. No, no one could believe it. The only person who didn't enjoy it was my dad, who was on his way back from the toilet at the time. <laughs> but, I remember. But, so he missed it. But um, but like John Walk obviously sits near me and he saw it. And as soon as it went in, he like ran inside so he could watch the replay again. And, and was sort of like any, all the staff he was grabbing, he was like, come and look at this goal sort of thing. It was just, yeah, unbelievable. Well, um, we're, we're live on the Blue Monday podcast. Welcome. Get involved in the chat. Tweet us. I, I, I'm i putting it out there. Name me a better goal that our wonderful football club has ever scored because we'll, we'll get into the detail and the minutiae of the move and the goal. I think it's 
it, I think it's important that we talk about that because you will not see a goal like that very, very regularly. Well, who knows from this blooming team? I tell and, you, and as a welcome saying, to the... Sorry, sorry, go, with, with the goal going viral as well, like Chris Rand put in the group yesterday that basically our, our goals are normally viewed about 25,000 times. The first goal, as an example, is viewed 50,000 times. This one is now up to 4 million views. So just because every account is shared, all your big football accounts all these foreign football accounts are sharing and spreading it around there. Yeah. So 4 million views of that goal now on, on the, on the socials. Which is all adding fuel to my statement. Um, thank you everybody who's joined us live on the Blue Monday podcast. You can do that each and every Sunday at 8 PM. Get involved in the debate. If you are here live right now, do hit the live button. If you're listening after the fact on podcast, we still appreciate you guys. Make sure you give us a five star review and all of that good stuff. Um, just quickly, I suppose we've got to deal with it, Craig, before we get to the commentary game. FA Cup draw today. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's quite, it might actually peak a bit of interest in tomorrow's game on the telly now as well, mightn't it? Just to see who we could potentially get. Obviously, Ramsgate will have um, echoes of Bracknell from uh, Winners. last last year if we, <laughs> if we, uh, <laughs> if we see them beat AFC Wimbledon. But, you know, if, and if Wimbledon win, then we get to go back and, get manhandled by the uh, special ops stewards. They're, uh, they're actually all out in Ukraine at the moment, those guys. Yeah. They were sort yeah, of they're going to come back especially to uh, to kick women and children in the um, away end. Um, what, what do you think of the draw, um, Joe? Yes, I, I guess it's, you just want a winnable tie, don't you, where we know we're going to make 11 changes for this game and so you want a game where you can probably win that one and win the fourth round and then that's probably enough. Uh, also win that and get into the fourth round and maybe go out at that point. That's probably enough cup games here. It sort of keeps you keeps you in the flow, doesn't it? There, so we'll see from there. Yeah. They're the lowest ranked team in it, aren't they? Still at the moment, so we'll see if they're still in it after tomorrow. That's probably the the, the games where they stop using the week, keeping the weekends free, as wasn't it, Joe? The fourth round after. The yeah, that's round. the last one, twenty seventh of January, I think. Yeah. yeah, and we have kind of outlined that when you look at the schedule as, I mean, we're in the midst of the hateful eight now, but that's the kind of sort of free week at the start of January. So it was always going to look like that. However, and whoever you've got drawed, drawed, drawn against. Um, let's talk about Ipswich Town versus Coventry. Let's just um, um, do a little bit of um, setup though, Craig, first, because... I mentioned the hateful eight. We're three games into it now, and we're kind of looking at it. Of can you hold? Can you hold some kind of gap? Can you um, put a reasonably decent points total on that you can be you can be kind of proud of? And look, whatever leads to whatever Southampton do is what they do. You look after ourselves and then go again in the in the new year. Bad start at West Brom, but you end the first week with six points. So we're at the two points per game, which Leeds have just reached and Southampton can with a win in round 20. And that now condenses the hateful eight to the, what, the furious five now or the horrible three-game week coming up. I feel a lot more relaxed now because if if you scored three points or, or fewer in this first week, the pressure would be way above what it is now, Craig. Yeah, that's right. And... Um... So we've moved on to Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, have we? So we, we've, um, as, as you guys said last Sunday after the, the West Brom, not only the result but also the performance, that you know if we do get to the end of this week having won the two home games, then it will still be a good week. And it has transpired that it still has been a good week. And if you can, during the course of all of these games, keep anything approaching a two-point-per-game average, then... Getting into the new year, you know, um, through the Christmas period, through the Leicester game, through the QPR game, with that still intact, you know, you'll be you take that right now, wouldn't you? So, you know, all things being equal, I think it's as you say, it's been on the back of a very very good week. Um, certainly on the back of the performance to, to turn that round into two very solid um, home wins. Um, yeah, certainly can't ask for more, and it gives us another gives us a week off, doesn't it, to rest and recuperate, ready for the the big slog up to January. Joe, we've been complaining about these early goals and they're still blooming happening in the last two games. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, and th there was all the sort of talk after the West Brom game last week. I think there was a big overreaction to that. It was just a good side, did a job on us and we moved on. And then 
we started so well against Millwall with the sort of two goals in the first 12 minutes. And then again, another early goal yesterday, which brings sort of just settles the crowd down as well. Because I think there's sort of so much pressure on the um, on the team at the moment. It, it feels like from the fan base, everyone's so sort of stressed out by it, aren't they, at the moment? Because we're doing so well. And just that goal just settles things down. We started, we started like a train yesterday, didn't we, as well? So it really... That, that early goal came, but we'd had a couple of chances before that, and we were we were looking really, really at it. Let's just wind back one sec and actually have a look at this then. Um, so, Ipswich v Coventry, and um, what we mustn't forget about this is Coventry, Craig, were in the championship playoff final and got to the end of the penalty shootout and lost on sudden death last year and have retooled, okay, they're in transition but they were on for a nine-point week and had kept clean sheets in their first two games of the week. So um, without sounding like good old Mick McCarthy, there is a bit of there no mugs. And I still have it in my head. There'll be some kind of trend up towards top 12, at least top 10, come what may during this season. Um, I got my team wrong again on Fan Hub, though, Craig. I had Brandon Williams at right back and it was Harry Clark again. But otherwise... Just as we imagined um, it probably would be, Craig, and with the week's gap now to the Middlesbrough game, Flaky, Davis Burgess, Wolfenden, uh, Clark, obviously, two and Zabi uh, steps out, Morsi Luongo, Broadhead, Chaplin, Burns, and Hurst. Is it as simple now as just put the best team on the pitch as often as, as you can and deal with the three game weeks with whatever comes up? Yeah, very possibly. And as as you say, um, it's probably as a toss of the coin, maybe slightly weighted towards uh, Williams over Clark. But you know, other than that, that's our our strongest eleven. Um, strongest eleven from League One. It's still doing a job in in the Championship. Um, and as the guy said in the pre match, um, and as you sort of alluded to there, the the Coventry team. You, know, you can't knock knock them for not reinvesting the the cash that they got in. You know, throughout the team, um, the central defenders I thought looked. Look very tidy. Um, not entirely sure you get eight million quid's worth of value out of uh, their striker. Um, had you right, but um, just goes to show what sort of sort of a bargain George Hurst currently looking. Um, but we can chat about that uh, a little bit later on. Um, so no, I was quite impressed with Coventry actually. You know, I I, I could certainly see them um, pushing up through the leagues, uh, pushing up the league because I saw I thought they put a um, a decent performance in yesterday. As the guy said again on pre-match, they probably do lack a little bit up front in terms of their goal scoring. But I thought you know, at the back and th- certainly through the through the midfield, I thought they were, they were pretty impressive. To be fair, so this um, commentary side then lots of familiar faces. A lot of them have played for Barnsley by the look of it as well. Um, Joe uh, Collins in goal, Vanevic and or Bidwell. We've come up against a million times. We came up against Kitching. And Thomas. In fact, someone correct me in the chat. They might have been both playing possibly in the um, Barnsley game uh, last season. We're both on loan there, if I'm not misremembering that. Chief, Eccles, Ayari. Uh, good to see O'Hare back because he's a real good creative force and he's had horrible mm. um, time out with injuries. Alan and Hadji Wright. I'll, I'll mention Ben Brereton Diaz because he went for six million and was rubbish for about two years and then just got brilliant. So there's hope for Hadji Wright yet. But um, again, Joe, in isolation, a lot of those players, you'd think, okay, you'd take a few of them, wouldn't you, when you take the pattern of play out of it? Yeah, they're a good side, and they're a good side last year, and they seem to have settled on this four-at-the-back system now, which has sort of turned their form around. But when you look at sort of all the underlying metrics of the season, they're, they're probably the team in the most false position in the league. Sort of, it was it was like them at the bottom who were good and Preston at the top and who Preston, were bad. And they're sort of starting man. to go, starting to swap <laughs> over at the moment, aren't they? But no, I thought Ben Sheaf was good in the midfield. He's always mm. a sort of very important player for them. And he just sort of gets on the ball, moves it and does. He was able to sort of dictate the tempo of the game, but not many midf- midfielders can do that against us. He was able to sort of dictate the pace and sort of slow it up, slow it down and speed it up when they had their spells when they were on top of the game. Yeah, um, I, 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 sorry, sorry, Ben. Just okay. as you were talking to about the the players in their team, I thought that during the match, actually, I thought you could easily swap a vast majority. You know, not necessarily swap, but that both their set of players could easily work in our in our formation and vice versa. You know, there were there were similar sort of setups, similar styles of play, and similar levels of players. Really, I think we've had it in the championship before, guys. With uh, Wendy Apuki, uh, Wilson, Mitrovic, Billing, Solanke. When you get one really good creative player and one really good attacker, like they had with Hamer and 
Jokeres, sometimes that can just really destroy the league, can't it? And obviously uh, without both of those. But um, let's stay with you then, Craig, and another early goal. Thank you very much. And um, where are we on the broadhead scale here? Because if David Diamond is right that he's not quite himself, it's a goal and an assist in the last two games at least. We won't, we won't mention the one-on-one he's going to miss in about 10 minutes. But go ahead, Craig. Um, opening goal for George Hurst. Yeah, I was going to talk about Broadhead a little bit, actually, because I thought he started off very, very well, probably up until his, the one-on-one that he just um, he dragged wide, and then he tended to sort of get a bit quieter and, and tail off a little bit. So I'm sort of still in the, the David Diamond camp, really, when it, when it comes to um, Broadhead. But yeah, he won, the, he won the ball about 10 yards in in our half um, with a good challenge, and then burst forward in about the halfway line, and then as he's just about to release the pass, Hurst finds gap between their two um, central de- central defenders, and he's off. Um, and it's a perfectly timed pass, a perfectly timed run. Um, and once it gets into a foot race, that fir- that first touch from George Hurst just makes the goal, doesn't it? That it's just so clever and strong to get that left foot touch across the defender. Um, Kitchen can't then do anything about it. He's out the he's out the game. Um, through on goal, and if you watch the replay. He's bearing on a goal. He he gets his head up, gets his bearings, and then gets his head down to slide it in um, past Codin. So yeah, it's it's a fantastic goal. And as um, McKenna said in the post-match interview, you'll you'll do well at this level to find a six foot three striker who's got that level of pace about him. Um, you know, I think we've and I was talking to a, um, some mates last night. We were out. Um, we're just saying, you know, this. For one and a half million quid, we've we've just landed on something here, haven't we? In terms of Hurst, and also how we can, from now to the end of the season, a look after him and b get some sort of um, replacement to help him out because we are currently at the moment um, using him a lot more than we were at the beginning of the season. He was coming off maybe sixty minutes. Now we're pushing up. You know, it's eighty nine, ninety minutes the other game, and it's. Um, it's getting more and more minutes per game and we probably don't need, don't want to do that because I say we're so, so reliant on him and the way that he presses from the front and is now hopefully um, adding a few goals to it. I just think he's absolutely invaluable to this team. That's a, yeah, as I say, fantastic goal. Would you take on that goal, Joe? Yeah, similar to what Craig said, um, just that first touch is a key, but we know with Broadhead, if you give him time and space to pick a through ball, he is going to pick it perfectly and the weight of the pass, the execution of it is, is was just perfect and Hurst takes a goal really well the keeper's position is a bit funny he's a bit over to the sort of the right hand side of the goal and leaves a big chunk of it open and sort of to echo all what Craig said about the importance of George Hurst he's actually now our leader in goal contributions this season where there's been talk that he's maybe not contributing enough with goals but I don't think that's his role I think it's more for Broadhead and Chaplin but he's now got five goals and five assists this season so he's on the 10 where I think Broadhead, Chaplin and Davis are all on nine goal contributions in the league so no just yeah fantastic and he's yeah he's becoming such a good player and it looks a snip at 1.5 million pound when you when you saw what was on the other side with Hadji Wright and Ellis Sims and what what those players cost but yeah fantastic do you want to start taking us through to the 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 big moment um Joe how does the how does the rest of the half uh, does anybody really care do you just want to talk us to talk about the way fans go but no we'll be professional um how, how does the rest of the half um kind of pan out up to um, the the incredible second goal. Yeah, well, I thought sort of for about the first twenty five minutes, I thought we were sort of pretty on on top of the game, as on top as we've been on sort of any game. But from that point on, and like Broadhead has that, well, how he misses that one where he's through on goal and he just drags it wide when it looked so easy to score. But after after that happened, I thought Coventry sort of started to get a bit of a foothold in the game and were sort of playing pretty well in the sort of build up to it. Sort of had a sort of 10, 15 minute spell there where they were getting on top without really creating a huge amount, it has to be said. They had the shot from Bidwell, which Ladkey did well to save, but it was a fairly regulation save. And then, like I said, we, we just kept going, didn't we? We kept going and kept passing out from the back. And that leads into that second goal where the, the ball, as it has done for a lot of our goals this season, starts at Vaslav Ladkey's feet in his stunning pink kit, as modelled behind me there. But um, yeah, just just the pass and, and Wolfenden, Clark, they're all taking the ball under a lot of pressure, aren't they? And and it's there. And for the first time we do it is Chaplin just hammers that ball out to the left of Davis, doesn't it? He just sits in there and he, he he loves to drop into that little pocket of space sort of between the sort of behind Wes Burns and in front of Harry Clark. And often he's looking to sort of bend the ball over the sort of left back to 
release Wes Burns, but this time he goes totally the other way to the other side of the pitch to Leith Davis, who's in acres of space. Dribbles up the pitch, cuts inside, and then knocks the ball over to Burns. And, well, someone else could maybe do it justice from there. What is it? The Traveller, they call it, apparently. But it reminded me of Charisma, the Portuguese player, loved a shot like that. But, yeah, just mm-hmm. cuts inside. And from where I was, I couldn't tell if it was going in, and it just dropped right. Like, if you'd have picked the ball up and placed it, you couldn't have put it more in the top corner than where it was. It was unsavable if two goalkeepers any, any cliche you can think of as to what that is but an unbelievable goal but there was there was good contributions all in that because when Connor Chaplin plays the ball him and Harry Clark are in the right back spot by the time it comes up Connor Chaplin's in the box Harry Clark does the lung busting run and uses that real power to, to sort of take the full back away to open up the space for Wes Burns to go inside and that's what you notice from this team when, when you see them they are they all work so hard off the ball they all are creating angles and it's it might look easy. It might look like we've always got a pass on and it just, it, there's always a pass on because everyone's working so hard. Everyone knows what to do that they do keep these simple options on and we must be murdered to play against for the other team when, when we're in the mood like that. Craig, McKenna mentioned it in his post-match that this idea that all seems to have been drilled into them, that they're going to move the ball and wait for the space to become obvious. And he mentioned how the pace accelerated when Chapman found the space and played the played the quick pass and um, we've just seen it so many times now where slow, 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 quick, go. Have you ever seen a better goal than that at Portman Road, Craig? No. No, we can put to bed all our Leighton Baines comments. And <laughs> it's done, it's, isn't it? Yeah. It's done now. Yeah, that's right. But as as Joe says about the, the build-up play, and what's integral, and I was watching it a lot yesterday, is Sam Morsey, I know we all know that he knits everything together, but he's just so clever when the ball is in those positions particularly in that right back, right centre, central defender positions, because he's he's the option for Wolfenden, for example, who will then he will then pass it out to Clark. He will then sprint over and help Clark out to take the ball. Not necessarily in this move, but all the time during the match, he's there offering them both the option and then also driving us forward. You know, he's the and I think that little triangle, if you like, in that bottom right hand corner, by virtue of us playing it down there for a little while, it, the play then drifts over that side and the Coventry players drift over that side and Chaplin knows then that Davis is in acres and acres of space. They're, on the other side to, of they're coached to do that. They're coached to, you see them doing the drills all moving a, moving across together. So they're not doing a hell of a lot wrong, are they, in the first instance no. of the Coventry players? No, and even even when they're defending against Burns, they're not doing an awful lot wrong, are they? They're showing him inside, which is and the, exactly the what... guy follows Clark down Clark. the line. They show him. Yeah, you're, you're totally yeah. right. That makes it an even better goal that the defending's not bad at all. Is no, it? absolutely right, and hence why the the chance itself is naught point naught three xg. Is that um, what it is? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And as Joe says, you know, you pick it up and place it. It just it just feathers the side netting as it goes in as well, doesn't it? It's just remarkable. A remarkable goal. For all those people that get upset about XG, most of those shots are probably taken not with the outside of the right foot facing <laughs> horizontally as well. But yeah, let's not get into that debate. And yeah, look, we can we can talk about it. It's a nice conversation to have. It doesn't need to be an emotional, whiny conversation. I genuinely, genuinely, I'm not doing it for hyperbole. Think you can argue that's the that's the best Ipswich Town goal. I, I've, I've thought about it a lot since <laughs> since yesterday. Got, you know, I'm sure a lot of us have spent a lot of time thinking about that goal because it was just so damn good. And I mean, Joe, just, so just, many for, good just, goals, just, for pause, just for a pause for thought, you imagine us doing that <laughs> five years ago. Yeah, you, you might have had the end part of it, just a bit of... Like a great finish, but you'd never have had that build up like that. And just the, like you say, you're, you're, you're against a good, well organized side who are doing everything right. And you're just, you're just passing them off the park and moving it around. But we're scoring brilliant goals every game at the moment, aren't we? And even, like I say, in the, the midweek game, there's sort of three fantastic, but all different goals. And it's, mm. we, we don't score bad goals at the moment, do we? That because we play such nice football, such easy on the eye football, they are just, great to watch because when when the goal is scored is generally when it's all clicked in that run and that's just well fantastic and like I said the goal of the season competition this year is going to be we've probably seen its winner but there's going to be a hell of a 10 up for it isn't it it's going to be a beautiful thing um triple substitution from Mark Robbins at half time Godden Sakamoto and Latabodie in um Craig what was the pattern in the second half I'm feeling a little bit from some of the comments I'm reading in the chat a little bit damned if we do, damned if we don't with this, because McKenna's now starting to talk about 
specific reactions to who you're playing and you can't do this against Coventry and, you know, you, we do this, that will play to their strengths, etc. There's been a lot of complaining about games ending tighter than they need to. So talk to me about the approach in the second half because um, McKenna kind of doubled down on that having been the right thing to do to just um, sort of come within ourselves a little bit. Take the sting out the game sort of thing. Um, yeah, well, and... And I don't. I presume it was intentional. But we we're just much more pedestrian in the second half than we were in the first, by virtue of us being two 0 up. I would uh, hope, because we had a lot of the ball, didn't we, Joe? Our central defenders had a lot of the ball. Wolfenden had an awful lot of the ball, um, certainly the first quarter of an hour, twenty minutes of the second half. Um, and commentary were just set up. They were just set up, waiting for us. And there was a, a lot of a lot of cat and mouse between Hladky, um and Godden in terms of who's going to blink first, who's going to. Um, Jump that, jump that press and, and trigger us out. But and they didn't really do that, to be honest. They were just sitting there waiting for us. Um, and as a result, I say, Hlag had a lot of the ball. Wolfenden had a lot of the ball. Um, they were going man for man all over the pitch. So everyone was marked. There wasn't an awful lot of free space. And it was just a bit of stalemate for a good 15, 20 minutes of the second half. And it never really got going. And I think that may have um, contributed towards the crowd or a little bit quiet as well. Certainly the home fans, the away fans were were pretty loud all game. Um, but I think it's, and obviously coming out of it with a 2-1 win, you can um, hind, look at it in hindsight and not saying, suggesting McKenna's doing that, but you could say, you know, it was all part of the game plan. We did, we're looking just to manage the game, um, rest some rest some legs uh, relatively and, and see the game out, which which I suppose we did um, up until the point whereby um, Clark dangles a leg and um, takes over your man Sakamoto in the box. Um, Joe, we need to respect the subjectivity, so I don't want to hear any definite this or definite that or the other. I agree with Craig about um, to what's the cliche? Inviting the referee to make a decision, and I know I know we shouldn't ever judge a decision by what would a football fan say about it because they all just want every um, great decision to go for the team they support, don't they? But I dare say, if that had been the other end, there'd have been. Lots of crime for a penalty to be given for us, but what was what was your take on the on the penalty and the subsequent miss? I think it was just a frustrating one because they weren't really going anywhere. They were they were struggling to get anywhere, and actually create good chances against us. And you were thinking it was going to be a mistake that caused one, but and it and it was really. But the ball sort of was bouncing about there, and I've only watched it back once. Yeah, he catches him. Yeah, the Sakamoto goes down very. It's a bad dive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it goes down very theatrically. We had the same conversation about the Plymouth thing, Joe. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, it goes down theatrically, but it's one of those ones. If you had VAR looking at it, there's no way it's getting overturned because he's there is contact and you 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 can't do that in the box. You've you've got to be cleverer than that when you're making a challenge like that. So yeah, it is a penalty. But when you see sort of like Hladke was trying to make himself big on the line and there, and it's say it's one of those ones where he goes the right way, but he's nowhere near it. But if that penalty is three inches lower, it's a it's a brilliant penalty. But it's not. So it hits the bar, it bounces out, and really that was probably the only way they looked like they were going to score from something like that at the time. So yeah, I was quite relieved. Obviously, very relieved at that point. It's a totally different game, and it's two one there with what twenty five minutes. Yeah, minutes. was it that early? Yeah, twenty five. Well, minutes. Well, seventy seventy one, wasn't it? But including the injury yeah. times. Yeah, no, it was a. It was just a an annoying one to give away, but yeah, a penalty, and I'm sure Clark will learn from that. Um, Harness and Hutchison, by the way, had come in um, previous to this for Broadhead and Burns. Um, maybe we were, dare we criticise Kieran McKenna, maybe we were saying that the quadruple substitution could possibly have been two double substitutions um, in midweek with the benefit, again, of hindsight. And um, Brandon Williams and um, Jack Taylor finished the game. Um, where I am, sorry, OK, Jackson does as well where i am a little bit more partisan is um was there a was there a foul in the uh coventry goal um craig just a bit overly physical in terms hmm. of um the challenge on williams i think what well, yeah i think being pushed in the back so you've faced the ball into the net i think can be um can be a a foul given as a foul yeah it, I, I didn't think it was at the time just looking you know, my seat up in the um Pioneer looking near the tunnel, looking across the goal line. I thought it was um, perfectly fair, but looking at it on the replay, yeah, it's it just looks like Sims just nudges him, nudges Williams in the back, and yeah, as a result, he's 
just say poor old guys faced it into the uh, into the net. But Williams had a funny old fifteen minutes when he came on. He went flying into a tackle that he didn't need to make in the eighty ninth, ninetieth, ninetieth minute to pick up a booking and therefore get suspended for the Middlesbrough game. And then poor old guys giving away a an own goal five minutes later. So yeah, not the not the greatest fifteen minutes from from him. Um, and I so I don't know if we're going to uh, talk about, it, but Luongo as well. Is, I think it's going to be a big a big miss because I thought he. This week, the two home games, I thought he's been absolutely brilliant, um, both him and Morsey, obviously. But he, he may well have even shaded Morsey um, yesterday in terms of his contribution. He looks back to his um, sharp best, which is good news for Australia. Um, what's, your, what's your take on the um, goal again, respecting the subjectivity, um, Joe? Yeah, it's, it's frustrating because we were sort of well over the five minutes at this point. And in the build-up, the ref sort of looked at his watch three times. And he's, it's almost like he's just waiting for the right time to, to find to blow the whistle and doesn't. And the ball comes in. And, well, yeah, Sims, Sims, there's no way he's getting the ball from where he is. He's totally behind Williams. Williams' positioning is good. And he just gets in the back. I guess there's maybe an argument to say he could be a little bit stronger with it. But he does what he needs to do by getting in front of it. And it's just it's just frustrating. But because it was literally the penultimate kick of the game, as soon as we took the kick off the... <laughs> The game ended. I guess you don't worry about it really. You just move on. But I'm sh- but Hadke looked furious not to have his clean sheet at the end, which is understandable <laughs> because they're, they're big things for him, aren't they? And it's just an, another goal conceded which he doesn't want on his record, and it, sh- it shouldn't be on there. It was a foul. I'm sure he get a lovely, lovely bonus as well. Which um, yeah, in the 95th mm-hmm. minute or whatever it was, um, uh, isn't helpful. But hey, um, let's have a look at the numbers. Uh, 55-45 um, in terms of the percentage of the possession in Ipswich favour. Uh, 1.72, 1.38 on the XG. Always remember when there's a penalty involved, though, that's 0.77 into the bargain. Um, 15 shots to 13 in Coventry's favour, but only one on target. And the 500 passes up in the wintry weather. Um, you can sum the game up if you want, Craig, but... We've all watched hundreds of football matches. It's only ever going to be remembered for one thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and rightly so. Um, so we'll just, as I said earlier, about just chalking off as another three points, two home games in the week, two home wins in the week. Um, get your feet up for a, for the next seven days and then look forward to Christmas. But as you rightly say, it's uh, it's rightly going to be remembered for one thing. Joe? Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a brilliant sort of professional performance as well where because there was a few people around me when the goal went in at the end it was like oh you need to focus bloody blood almost like when the game ended they like walked out annoyed it felt like at the game i'm like <laughs> we've just beaten how a things good, have a changed side here like i think mckenna made reference to it in his post-match comments as well these these aren't just regulation victories just because we're on a fantastic run that we want to continue for as long as it can coventry a good side coming down here on the back of good form and we're sort of beating them relatively easily i'd say i don't think we'd it was a uh, our toughest game of the season. I, I thought we I thought we played the game pretty well from start to finish, and that's a that's a fantastic result. It's a brilliant it's a brilliant result to to get the win there. And people, I say, I'm not trying to sort of tell people what to think, but we do need to remember that th- these aren't poor teams coming down here. This isn't Forest Green and Morecambe and Accrington and teams like that coming here. These are good sides with this is a championship sort of like, playoff finalist, Joe. Yeah, twenty millions worth of players in the squad and. A real, real good team with a good manager set up well, and we've we've done we've done really well with that win. And I say we just got we just got to remember how how fantastic we're doing, and it is just what unbelievable. That's sort of the word to describe this season so far, isn't it? Unbelievable. We are going to move on to talk a bit a bit about the championship. Excuse me, and then we we'll go to Q and A, and we're going to talk about either the week from hell or potentially the week from heaven, especially how it might end. But first. Let's hear from our sponsors at Innovation Labs. Innovation Labs is business hub and co-working space with strategic locations across Suffolk. Our aim is to foster innovation, entrepreneurship, business growth, and the development of an AI centre of excellence in Suffolk. Monthly hot desks are available from just £79. For more info, head to innovationlabsgroup.com or contact info at innovationlabsgroup.com. Innovation Labs, providing support for businesses across Suffolk. Locations in Stowmarket, Ipswich, Sudbury, Woodbridge, with more to follow. 
Whether you want to protect yourself whilst online or just get access to more streaming content, NordVPN has the solution for you and are now in partnership with us here at Blue Monday. NordVPN can be your cyber bodyguard whilst you're browsing online, but it also allows you to access more streaming content from abroad like sporting events, box sets or films. With one click of a button, NordVPN can digitally transport you to the US, Australia or Amsterdam. For the price of an ITFC match programme each month, you can subscribe to NordVPN and have access to these great services. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, head to nordvpn.com slash bluemonday or click the link in the podcast description. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, so get yourself a great deal and support the podcast in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. ITFC women rescued a late 2-2 draw at, in Richard's words, an obstinate Billericke. Natasha Thomas with the goal deep into second half. Stoppage time after Bonnie Horwood's first half opener had been cancelled out. Championship Lewis are the visitors at the AGL next Sunday for the Women's FA Cup third round. I'm not wearing, Craig, my Wear the Sport t-shirt today. I'll be in trouble from Wear the Sport, but you've seen it before, my beautiful maroon uh, Rusa Premiership uh, t-shirt, and we're still in partnership with Wear the Sport. You can get 15% off there with promo code Blue Monday. You can also, ahead of Christmas, get 15% off and free shipping. Who doesn't like free um, at the Blue Monday merch store until midnight tonight. So move quickly, move as fast as who's our fastest player, Craig? Uh, Caden Jackson. Get your ice skates on. Move as fast as Caden Jackson in ice in skates. In ice skates, yeah. That Downhill. Is... <laughs> That's tremendous. That is um, very, very fast. Um, I'm going to move very fast. <laughs> Out of this link that I'm butchering, okay, <laughs> onto um, the championship results from the weekend. Um, I'll just rattle through and then, guys, if you want to pick out um, anything, uh, get your questions ready for Q&A, um, chaps, in the chat. We'll go to that afterwards. Maybe hold them a minute or two. Uh, on Friday night, Preston nil, QPR 2. Is QPR not a pushover anymore? And the Willock Chair mm. um, partnership might be back in business. West from one, Leicester two. I hope someone brings this up because if Harry Winks doesn't score that late goal, we all know where we would have been in the table and everything would look very different rather than us saying all four teams at the top are just bossing it. We'd be saying, oh, Leicester are wobbling, aren't we? But they won. Uh, Birmingham nil, Rotherham nil. Nathan Jones apparently um, is going to be named the Rotherham manager in the next couple of days. He was in um, presence. And poor old Wesley Hoyt. Um, he didn't even score the best goal by Wesley in the championship yesterday. And he scored from the halfway line for Watford at Hull. Um, Leeds three, Middlesbrough two. Uh, the Leeds front four, talking about goal contributions, Joe, have 44 between them. Um, so, yes, I think we were right about them when we played them in uh, September. Millwall one, Sunderland one makes our result on uh, Wednesday look all the more shiny. Plymouth two. Stoke one down in the bottom six. Sheffield Wednesday three. Blackburn one. Another goal for Smoddick. Southampton two. Cardiff nil. Uh, Saints 10. 11 actually now. Undefeated. Swansea one. Huddersfield one. And not sure whether I like this or not. Bristol City one. Norwich two. But they're kind of getting some jammy wins leading into Derby Day. Maybe lulling themselves and everyone into a false sense of confidence before that game. Uh, anything to pick out there for you first, uh, Craig? Um, well, obviously, the, the, the top four one again, and then um, related to that, I don't know if anyone's got a sense of deja vu, but does anybody remember being second in the league and the team that are top scoring last-minute winners to keep themselves <laughs> at, just ahead of us? Um Maybe not too long ago. So, yeah, let's hope history isn't... Well, hopefully history is repeating, actually. I'll let's take hope it. History, history does repeat itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just nice to be in amongst those uh, those three parachute teams and still still pushing on. So that's that's what's starting to look to my eye, especially after West Brom um, losing on 
uh, on Fridays. Those those top four just seem to be pulling away just a touch, don't they? What are your reflections from the weekend, Joe? And sort of more probably a deeper thought with regards to it all. When you look at QPR, I watched the second half of their game on Friday night I get at press and I thought they were really good and sort of watched the highlights and look back at the stats from Sheffield Wednesday against Blackburn. And it's two two teams who have appointed sort of very, very highly rated coaches from big club backgrounds. And I I I think a lot of teams are following the Kieran McKenna lead that we've that we've made effectively. So it's just that wonder of how important is promotion this season? Because does it look like we've sort of got that first mover's advantage on getting this coach in who is a serious professional working 20 hours a day? We had a message in the Telegram that McKenna was, that I think they had the staff Christmas party last night, but he was still in his office or first thing this morning, working working on the game after that. And he's just a pro coach, these guys that work hours. And I think Sifuentes and Danny Roller, similar, similar guys to those. And it's just how important is it that we take advantage of what we've got here? Because the... the the revolution is coming, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good point, actually, Joe, because we've seen these cycles before of players um, all being brought in from Germany and then, you know, um, uh, it's been sort of different territories where people have bought from. I thought there'd be a big one from Belgium after what Burnley and company did last year. But, yeah, you make a fair point. Here, <laughs> it just makes me laugh to look at it, is a ridiculous championship table. So... Uh, Leicester City have 46 points, 4-6 from 19 games. We have 45 points from 19 games. The projection for Leicester is 111. And for us is 108, which would be a championship record if Leicester weren't going to get 111. But um, what is fascinating now is Leeds have now moved to the two points per game mark, projecting 92, which in any, quote, normal season... Uh, gets you promoted. But as Craig says, we've got experience of abnormal seasons from last six, uh, 96 points. Doesn't get you automatically promoted. Southampton look tidy, tidy, tidy. And just be interesting to see what that West Brom, they could have won that game. They were going for the win, weren't they? And got caught out. Be interesting to see um, how the baggies do indeed bounce back. But absolutely fascinating at the top there. And just sensational points totals from getting on if Southampton and Leeds win next week I'll say sensational points totals from four separate teams really um, putting the hammer down right get your questions um, in via the chat we'll do as many of them as we can and then we'll have a little bit of a talk about Middlesbrough but um, the guys will do that properly on Thursday Um, it'll be live Rich and Seb at the normal time. Uh, let's get into some questions. Um, nice and quick, if you can, guys, and we can do as many of them as possible. Um, Craig, Ashley, uh, do you possibly see a rare Domball start on Saturday? I feel playing Taylor may leave us more open at the back. Um, well, I think if if it were to be that that selection, then Ashley's points is probably valid that it, it would be a more a solid, um, maybe more defensive choice. Um, but I think at the moment, Don Ball's versatility on the bench is um, pretty valuable in terms of that he can play two or three positions um, and provide cover from there. And I think Taylor's earned the right to to start in Luongo's absence, hasn't he, from, from his performances when he has played. So I think it will be Taylor, but I understand what Ashley's point would be if, if it were to be Don Ball, but I don't, I don't see it personally. Can I just piggyback on that, Joe? I'm going to try and be very positive about Luongo not being available. He would have been rested for one of those games in the three-game week anyway, wouldn't he? And it's almost like, well, okay, he's not going to be in the first game. Maybe you can pitch him straight. Is he out for one or two games? Five, just five just games? the one game, yeah, just the one yeah. game. Do you I think it's that, frustrating. Though? Yeah, he, he would have missed one of those next week, no doubt. But it's just frustrating because I think he'd have had a point to prove going back to Middlesbrough after they signed him last summer and he didn't. I don't think he even kicked a ball for them in in the league in the in his six month contract. So I think he'd have liked to have gone back up there and helped sort of proven a point against them. So he might have had that little extra tiny bit of motivation, which could have really sort of increased his already sort of consistently high performance level. That might have just give him a little bit of an edge. So I'd have liked to have seen him there. But yeah, you guess he'll play against Watford on the sort of the midweek after that. Uh, Joe, Steve, do you think the team's intelligence could be the difference between us and many others when it comes to the return fixtures? We'll have them sussed. Of course, that works in reverse 
as well, uh, Joe, because I would suggest we're the team that benefits most from pattern of play when you look at the quality we're up against three year one parachute teams. So that's going to be a real big factor that there's now lots of information on us going into the second. Sorry to flip Steve's question around, but there's two sides to that, isn't there? Yes, there is. But we seem to, I don't know, we do, we do make quite a lot of sort of little minor changes to things throughout the season. And then when you look sort of at the end of the season to the start of the season, while it looks like it's been sort of gradual change, it becomes quite a big change in how we play in, in those periods. So we'll be constantly tweaking. Um, after the Millwall game, Connor Chaplin was man of the match, came up to the Bobby Robson suite afterwards and they said, oh, how was the international break? And he said, oh, well, we'd sort of looked at some of the videos back and we realised our counter-pressing hasn't exactly been where we want it to be. So we've done a lot of work on counter-pressing through that international break and for the Millwall game. There's a couple of goals come straight from that. So we're we're constantly reinventing and redoing what we do. So whilst, yeah, teams will know us a bit more, no one last season was able to work us out, were they? And I know it's a better quality of player, better quality of coach, but ultimately we need to, we'll need a smaller point tool in the second half of the season than the first half really, won't be to get promotion. Um, If I can take this one from Norman, what impact will the AFCON and Asia Cup have on Leicester, Leeds and Southampton squads? I don't think very much, to be honest. I don't know if you guys are going to disagree with me. Leeds, um, it's all about um, Somerville and Piro, um, Rutter, and Dan James, none of them are going anywhere. Leicester, they'll miss Wilfred and Didi, who's um, very good as one of those high number eights. Again, Southampton, key players. I mean, the guy, Suleiman, is a good player, but he's hardly been, you know, their number one guy. I, I just personally, and, you know, feel free to debate it in the chat, I don't think, um, given their squad strengths, it, it weakens them massively. Um, will there ever be a boy but but a boy but born who will score a better goal than Wesley Burns? Maybe, maybe not. Um, Neil, Craig, will we see more of Tuan Zabi now with Burgess going away in January? And or more specifically, how much in the what am I calling the Furious Five as the back end of the Hateful Eight? Um, how much are we going to see in the three-game week? I think they'll probably treat him a little bit with kid gloves as, as they have done. Right up to now, really, in terms of um, dripping him in and then taking him out, a uh, bit like Luongo next week. Um, he, he, as you were saying about him missing, um, being rested for one of one of those games at least, they'll do similar with Twanzebe for two reasons. One, because he's only getting back to fitness himself, really full fitness, hence why he was rested yesterday. Um, and also, we can't afford for him to get injured between now and January because then we will be. Um, do you, Craig, do you think he might fancy him against big um, Rayovic, the Watford striker? Do you know what I mean? A physical 1v1? Yeah, very possible. But then we've also brought in Edmondson for a for a physical mm. uh, battle as well. Um, but w- what I would say about Twin Xavier is he strolled through that Millwall game midweek. He looked he looked good. And he looked if he's if he's not yet up to speed and he looked that good they, that day. They were then. pretty blunt. Um, just they were. There. I think a lot of it was down to him as well. You know, he he yeah. was quick. He was quick. He was strong. He was good on the ball. Um, so yeah, hopefully. I so I think we'll um, going back to Neil's point. I think we'll just see him in and out, in and out. I just wonder whether Burgess might play a bit more because we know we're not going to be able to use him in in January. So that's a fair point. Let, let Australia let Australia deal with the uh, the outcome. Um, Do we reckon up, there's but... any chance that Burgess and Luongo? don't want to go away with Australia in January for the Cup because of the position we're in with the league, the position they are in in the squad, because there's a very real chance that Burgess goes away for a month and um, Wolfenden and Tuan Zabi play as a, as a sort of centre-back pairing and Burgess can't get back in the team when he gets back from that, which is sort of a, a big risk to take, isn't it? Because, like I said, Burgess has been fantastic and he's a deserved starter. But if you have, I think, like Wolfenden's been as good as him on the other side. And it's just, if Tuanzebe comes in and is this sort of unicorn in this league, then you're not going to be able to get him out of the team. And it's it's fine having three fantastic centre-backs. I don't think George Edmondson's at, of the same level as Wolfenden and Burgess have been for us and what we hope Tuanzebe can be. But you don't really want to be the third man in that, in that situation, do you, and not playing? A lot of yeah. players, though, Joe, say it's like, that's their pinnacle, though, playing for their country. And yeah. if, if they've got that attitude, then there's there's no debate. You're not going to hang around mm. and play in the championship for a month. You're going to go off and try and do something with your country, aren't you? 
Yeah, and that's the problem. You've got the effectively now with the 48 team World Cups, Australia, well, they qualify anyway for these World Cups, but it's it's a chance for Burgess to go, go to a World Cup in 2026, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, Craig, uh, Skip, given his lack of minutes lately, do you think maybe a deal is done for a striker and Ladapo will be on his way in January? Um, I think, again, we, I was talking about this last night to some mates. I think the second part of that question is probably true and Ladapo could well be on his way uh, in January because he's not currently getting a sniff off the bench, is he? Um, Scarlett's been coming on for Hurst recently. Uh, Jackson came on yesterday to to help with the um, press in Hurst's place yesterday. So it's difficult to see where um, Ladapo fits currently in, t- in terms of that style of play. You know, he's, he's done his job for us when he's been here and he hasn't let us down, etc. But whether a deal has been done for another striker, I don't know whether that sort of thing happens this far out from the January transfer window, does it? But I would have thought in terms of the second part, I think you probably will see Ladapo move on in January because I think Joe said before on previous pods, he will do a job for somebody either in the lower part of the championship or certainly in the top half, uh, top half, top three or four or five of the of League One. And you'll get a fee for him, you'd hope as well. Nominal. And he's over 30, isn't he? So it's a good chance to get a fee for a player, which you maybe wouldn't expect to... I've got three questions in here from Marty and our own Rich and well, a comment from Ben about the atmosphere, um, Joe, which is uh, which is sort of coming up. Um, what, what's your take on this? Because oh, I don't want to be, I don't really want to whine about anything at the moment because it's been so bad for 15 years or whatever and so brilliant for the last couple of years. I, un- I guess I understand. Um, look, for a start, it's blooming cold, and um, maybe the atmosphere always drops off a bit when it's blooming cold. Um, you can't blame people when a team consistently, well, we won nine out of 10 home games, consistently. 17 wins. out of 18. 17 out of 18, is it really? Christ. Um, okay. goals in that time. I don't, but okay. I don't know. Le- Leeds, by the way, the team that beat us in that run. I don't know if you you knew that. But. <laughs> I was there, Craig. I was I was there. I do remember that. They mentioned it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Joe, you can't blame people when your expectations slightly shift for you know changing their outlook a little bit. And I'm one of the people that does agree that the acoustics of the ground changed. Um, for good, really, when they built up the two end stands, didn't they? So what's your take on this atmosphere um, debate? I, d- I didn't think the atmosphere was that bad yesterday. I thought it was fine. It was not like a raucous atmosphere, but I thought Chris Rand has mentioned there about the commentary away fans. I thought they were fantastic as a waveform. They were really noisy. I, I did think to myself, oh, I need to remember this when I do the TWTD end of season questionnaire, best away fans come to Portman <laughs> Road because they're going to take some beating. But no, I, I thought it was fine. But it's it's difficult when to get up for it when you're 2-0 up at half time. It's absolutely freezing. It was, it was horrible yesterday, wasn't it? It was cold. It was misty. And there wasn't a huge amount happening because we were shutting the game down, and, and it's hard to it's it's hard to sort of get behind shutting the game down, isn't it? Like um, sort of noisily get behind just shutting the game down, which is what we were trying to do. But I, I didn't think I didn't think there was any sort of moaning or sort of the the Suffolk groan sort of that going around going around the ground. I, I thought it was just a decent atmosphere. It was fine, and we went from there. I could hear the guys down in blue action from my seat at the back of the south stand. So. No, no, I, I think it's maybe a mountain out of a molehill, maybe sometimes. But as long as the crowd stay with the team, and they certainly are doing that. Yeah, I think. Right, I think Ben. Sorry, Ben. Just to your point in terms of the stands, etc. The location of the away fans it doesn't help because I sit directly opposite the away fans, directly opposite, and I hear I hear them, and I can also hear the north stand. I can hear blue action, and at times you've got the away fans singing football in the library, blah 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 at the same time as the North Stand are singing and Blue Action are singing. So I can hear us singing while the away fans are te- shouting at us for not singing. So it's it's acoustics. It's it's just terrible in there. Right? I was going to make exactly the same point. I went um, with a couple of my Watford mates last season and sat in there like singing bit. And one of my Sheffield United mates was in um, the other end. It was Watford Sheffield United, as you can imagine. And exactly what you said, Craig, uh, the Sheffield United mate told me it was a bit quiet, wasn't it? Couldn't really hear the Watford fans. And the, the Watford fans are saying, 
these Blades fans are a bit quiet, weren't they? You know, but good old following. And um, I think it's more what the players um, experience. But I'm sure we've mm. all been to, I don't know, Millwall or whatever, where you just go there and you're like, it's just bloody loud wherever wherever you sit. But um, right, let's do a couple more and then that will do us. Um, I was going to put this one up. Um, Adam, uh, all this concern about the three relegated sides opening their checkbooks in January. Are they really going to improve their 11? Um, I think we have far more scope to improve the individuals. Adam makes a fair point, Craig, but football clubs have been known to sign people specifically so other people can't sign them when they have more money, don't they? Yeah, that's right. And I, But the thing is, I suppose we won't be chopping in the same... Um, Ponds? Can you shop in a pond? We won't be fishing in the same pond as <laughs> um, as those three will be, unfortunately. Uh, but it will just be an absolutely intriguing transfer window from our perspective, because again, no, I should just use Joe as my reference for the entire pod. But Joe's um, said before, will we ever have an opportunity and a chance like this again when we are in this position? Um, hopefully still this far ahead of third come the 1st of January to to take full advantage of it. So um, it'll be just interesting to know what um, deals we can get can get done just to elevate the, the quality all around that team. It's going to be fascinating. Joe, I'm going to jump in again with more hyperbole and agree with Craig. I'm going with Wes Burns scored the best goal ever for Ipswich ever. And this transfer window is the chance of a bloody generation. And I'm not I don't think I'm exaggerating. I just, I just think it is the point I was making. Um, just come back on what Craig was saying. Is I just remember Bournemouth a couple of years ago. They were a year two parachute team, and they just bought everybody. And Shrieky Dembele, Kiefer Moore. Um, is that when they bought Joe Rothwell? Or was it in the? Um, they took one of the lads from Liverpool on loan. I think they even bought a spare keeper and didn't even play him. Literally just stopped up, stopped everybody buying anybody else, and then. Um, Nottingham Forest couldn't overtake them in the end. That was kind of the thing I was alluding to. And that was really year two parachute budget, not a year one, Joe. Yeah, that's obviously a risk that happens. But I'd imagine the other three teams in the top four are probably more concerned about losing players and bringing them in at the moment. Because someone like Keenan Jusby Hall, for example, who's been fantastic, he's a player that a lot of Premier League clubs are going to be looking at. And and if they if a big team goes in for him, I know they probably won't want to accept it, but that, that this does come a time where the players want the move, effectively, doesn't it? So there's there's going to be a lot of Premier League interest in players, like, like I say, like your Dewsbury's Halls, um, people in the Southampton squad who have got Premier League experience and people in the Leeds squad who've got that Premier League experience and they're sort of going up. Even someone, I know they've only signed, just signed it, but someone like Ethan Ampadu has been fantastic this season for Leeds and does someone just say, look, we're going to try, we're going to triple what you paid for him in August and, and try and get him away from there. So that, there's a... There's a chance on that, but I think, like I say, I've, I think we've got to go for it. And I, I wonder whether it's sort of Ipswich fans, sort of we look at our ourselves and maybe as a club more than anyone else. Because you look at when our last two promotions in 2000, it wasn't obviously January transfer window, but we went out and signed Marcus Stewart sort of late on in the season and helped, and he helped us get over the line. And, and Martin Royce as well, didn't we? We sort of signed yeah. those two to really improve us from a position of strength to even more strength. And then we've had windows like 2014-15 where we were flying. We didn't didn't strengthen the squad and eventually fell back. And then last year, we signed, obviously, Broadhead, Hurst, Clark and Luongo. And they gave us that extra push over the line. So you'd imagine now we this ownership group and this CEO and this manager, they've they've only done it that one way where you've had a big push in January. So you, that's I, I wouldn't be surprised by anything in January. If we break our transfer record in the first week of the window, I wouldn't be surprised. I like, Craig, I like those two comparisons Joe just made. It's far more a year 2000 than a last season. I I feel like last season they turned a good team into a promotion team in January, didn't they? Whereas in 2000, it was, they turned a team that was, you know, already very good, but couldn't quite get over the line. Just supplemented it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And and it'll be interesting to know what positions... Interesting to find out what positions we end up um, improving on because, you know, we, as you said about concentrating on your own team there, Ben, you know, we're all pretty much emotionally wedded to this team now, aren't we, by virtue yeah. of what's happened over the last uh, year or so. And it'll just be both Craig, sad every and. Every week, sorry to interrupt, Craig, every week someone says 
so-and-so is the most important player in the team now. I've mm. now heard it for all 11 players. And that's yeah. in our chat. And I'm not calling our chat ignorant for saying that. That's how wedded we are to these players and these yeah. teams. Absolutely. And there's, as you say, there's new players coming up. Joe's latest love interest is the goalkeeper, who we didn't even have in the <laughs> in the team in the middle of July. Um, so, yeah, it'd just be absolutely intriguing to see what, what happens and um, yeah, who falls by the wayside, unfortunately. I hope I've not come across as fickle about Broadhead. I've still only got eyes for him and defend him every week in the in the face of this malicious criticism that he's less than perfect now. But um, (laughs) there we go. Uh, Right. Speaking of um, less than perfect, the fixtures, Joe, next week are less than perfect. As I said, Rich um, and Seb are going to be focusing specifically on the Middlesbrough game. But just take me through this week, because this is, uh, as I said, potentially the week from hell if things go badly. But you know what this team's like. So it's Middlesbrough away on Saturday, then Watford on the Tuesday away as well. Watford just moved up into the top 10, I think. Middlesbrough have been in good form, but I think they've lost two from three, if memory. So they lost at Plymouth, didn't they? And actually, in fact, conceding a lot of goals as well, Joe. And then just the... yeah, You can't treat the Norwich game like any other game, can you, just because of the emotions that surround it. What are your feelings going into this week? And then we'll hone in on the Borough game. It's interesting on the Borough game because you hear the... Like I, I haven't followed it closely. I've done any sort of research into them, but you see a lot of their fans talking about how they've got 10 players out. They've got a whole team of players out for this. And I think they're sort of saying, oh, we've got no fit defence. We're playing the Bang, top Bangura team got in the league. Bangura yesterday, the fullback as well, didn't he? Yeah, so it may be a good time to play Middlesbrough. Watford away will be tough, but we can, we can go there and win. We're, we're probably a better organised side than they are now. They just have a bit of quality in it, but... And yeah, then the Norwich game. It sounds strange, but I'm not particularly nervous for the Norwich game because hmm. we're, we're better than them. We're, we're better than them in every in every facet of the game, aren't we? And if we play to our uh, ability levels, we'll win the game. So it's been a probably a a long time that we've gone into the derby where it's not even at best maybe a bit of coin flip. We are significantly the better side in this, and that they they sort of come in. They're coming up with some sort of decent results, but the performance have been terrible. Like the QPR was, they beat them, but they were awful. They had, I think they had one shot. They beat Bristol City today, but I think they were only good sort of about 10, 15 minutes there. So it's just one of those where we've just got to play. Like I say, I'm sure McKenna will be treating it as like any other game. We'll be doing our research. We'll be prepared. We'll be going into that. And like I say, it's just, it could be, it could be a brilliant week. It could be another week reminiscent of the Barnsley, Exeter, Peterborough week that we had last year so hopefully we go into it this this team hasn't let us down so far has it how are you kind of viewing the uh, I know it's as I found to my cost on the fan hub app uh, Craig it's impossible to second guess exactly what McKenna's going to do but how do you kind of view view the, the the block of three when you're traveling I know it's not a massive journey to Watford is it and you know you've got your the two away games first you wouldn't necessarily want it that that way round, would you no, I'd imagine they'll they'll fly up to Borough as well, don't they? And maybe coach backs what they they tend to do. Um, <clears throat> I think Broadhead will probably might miss out on one of them as well. If you bring in your friend Marcus Harness for one of them, Ben, um, just again <laughs> to save his save his league, he doesn't tend to play um, three game weeks, does he? Um, interesting. I've just quickly looked up Leeds's um, similar fixtures for next week, and they've got Blackburn and Sunderland away, both away. So interesting. Yeah, that Sunderland Leeds match could be a bit of a ding dong, couldn't it? And Blackburn, you don't know what you're going to get, do you, from those from no. from one week to the next? Um, so yeah, whatever we can pick up from those those games. And Mick Mills was talking about it. Um, I think uh, Graham Mack was having a chat with him after the match yesterday, asking them what would be a good points haul from it. And I think they both said um, draws. You know, two draws would be fine. But as we know, you might as well win one and lose one, mightn't you? Rather than um, take two draws. I think that's pretty. Well, I think if we can win one of those two games, I think I'd, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have all of these debates of, oh, you lose the first two, but you beat Norwich and everyone <laughs> will be happy with that. But Joe, as we've said a few times, there's, there's bigger things at, at play this season than um, than local rivalries, however important that um, kind of tribal sort of rivalry is. Um, so, Joe, just uh, let's get down to brass tacks with, with this. We know Williams is not going to be around and we know... Luongo. Luongo is not going to be around. So how does your 11 for Middlesbrough look like? 
I think you probably keep as much as what it was yesterday, the starting eleven yesterday, apart from obviously Massimo drops out and it, you'd imagine it's going to be Jack Taylor. He seems the next one, next cab on the rank in that position coming in for him. So you'd imagine McKenna, we, we tend to, when we have the three game weeks, it tends to be the middle game where we make a couple of changes in as opposed to the, the Saturday. Saturday will be normal and you'd imagine there's probably maybe two, three, four changes for the Watford game after that. But yeah, that, that'd be what I'd expect to see. Centre-half, um, Joe? I'd, I'd stick with Wolfie and Burgess. For me, it isn't broke. And, and then Tuanzami plays the midweek game. And then maybe from after the Norwich game, he's then probably in and fit at that point then, isn't he? So I'd, I'd go Wolfie and Burgess there, I think, if it ain't broke. Who starts all three games? Craig, Flaggy, Davis, Morsi, Hurst? Yeah, I think so. Um, Burns. Burns. Yeah. Interesting. It's going to be fascinating. I'm getting nervous already thinking about it. But um, let's end this podcast uh, the way we started it. Um, just this weekend is going to be remembered for the goal by um, Wes Burns. And um, in a season and a kind of year, 18 months of lots of brilliant things happening. Um, let's just get your final takes on potentially the best goal most of our fans have ever seen, certainly at Portman Road, Joe. Take a bow, Wes Burns, isn't it? That's that's all you need to say. And it's it's not just the finish; it's it's everything about the goal from from back to front, isn't it? What a goal! What a what a sign of Wes Burns has been for us from probably one of the least heralded of the first summer signings, and he's been fantastic. Wasn't he and the first? I think he was the very first, and I think he was one that maybe I probably one coming with the. Not, I wouldn't say the worst playing background, but one who's sort of playing like lower level in League One as opposed to pulling players down. And yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic. So integral to how we play. And it's a goal that will be the highlights, the first on the highlights reel when we show his Ipswich Town career, isn't it? And hmm. it's been a fantastic career so far and it'll make it continue. Craig, hopefully one day we'll be talking to Wes Burns on this podcast and um, we'll be saying, what about that goal, won't we? Yeah, absolutely. And as as Joe said then, as we were talking about before we uh, started off, you know, that that the fact that he as a player has managed to step up and continues to um excel and get better and is as we were just saying there, he we presume that he'll play all three games next week because because of his value and continued value to the team, not necessarily just in terms of the goals that he's scoring and the assists, but his you know, his work rate and how he helps out um the team as a whole and the team shape. Um, and just a quick one before we go, uh, on a related note, actually, a right wingers who scored thronkers. Um, if everyone could raise a glass to Steve Witness's birthday tomorrow. <laughs> We're just in the greatest goal ever at Portman Road and Craig wants to close out talking about Steve Witness. <laughs> it's perfect, Craig, isn't it? We absolutely love it. Uh, we absolutely have loved um, chatting to you tonight. If you're watching right now, thank you so much. Hit the like button before you go. Give us a five star review on the audio. We'll be back on Thursday night with the full preview for the Middlesbrough game where Rich and Seb will go into far more detail than we have on the weekend that we saw, in my humble, not so humble opinion, possibly maybe the greatest goal at Portman Road, the greatest Ipswich Town goal ever. I'm going to steal Joe's phrase there. Take a bow, Wes Burns. Thank you for watching the Blue Monday podcast. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.